We do lots of weddings here at Highland Baptist Church in this beautiful space. Some of them are church-related weddings, meaning members of our community. But a great many of them are not from our church. And you can always tell the difference because if you, for example, say, let's turn in a green hymnal to a certain hymn and sing together, you might as well be asking people to pull a snake out of that pew because they're not going to reach down and get the hymnal. Or if you say to them, let's pass the peace among ourselves, they'll look at each other like you've, tried to, you've asked them to kiss a frog or something. But ask them to say the Lord's Prayer. Church people and non-church people alike can say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be... We stumble over whether we're going to say trespasses or debts. Everyone kind of starts to mumble about that point. But we can recite it quickly. We don't even have to think about it. It's, it's like people from my generation just have things in their brains. I've got the back of the Crest toothpaste... Uh, uh, words memorized. Crest can be shown to be an effective decay preventive denifrice that can be used, that can be a significant value when used in a consciously applied program of oral hygiene and regular dental care. It's just, it's just part of me. It's like the intro to the Superman movie, faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive, able to reach tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's, I know the whole thing. It's pitiful how many brain cells are wasted with the things memorized. But people have the the Lord's Prayer memorized. They can say it, they can recite it without even thinking. We can say it. Luke gives us a stripped down version. No bells and whistles. It's not like Malat's Lord's Prayer, which comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Luke's is stripped down, very basic, maybe making it a little easier, right? Lord, teach us to pray, asked the disciples. They'd watched Jesus pray. Can you imagine watching Jesus pray? They watch this experience and this one they're following, and they say, Oh, oh, teach us to pray. John the Baptist's disciples were taught by him to pray. Teach us to pray. Maybe they think uh, John gave them a form of prayer. Perhaps John did give them a form that was something they could memorize, something that identified them and they could use as a kind of model. This assumes that prayer is not just a release of our feelings, but that prayer is a kind of learned experience. That's what we hope for Liam. We hope he learns how to pray. Not just the intuitive prayer, but the bigger, wider, deeper prayer. And so Jesus says to them, when you pray, say, Father. Interesting. Father. Rather than omnipotent, omniscient one, Father. Denoting a kind of relationship that suggests that who we are and who the holy is, is intimately connected. That our primal DNA, our makeup, is connected to this mystery. Father, holy, hallowed is your name. May we never take this relationship for granted, but always understand that we, as Paul said, know in part, see in part, prophesy in part. We only see a bit. 
holy is your name, your kingdom, your dream, your agenda, your plan for this creation. May it be done, not our plan for creation. And give us our daily bread. Give us a sense of contentment with what we have so that we are happy with what we need and not always wishing for what we want. Give us a sense of contentment. May we not be mere consumers who live by the adage, the one who dies with the most toys wins, but rather give us that deep trust and forgive us our sins as we forgive. That connection between the holy and us and us and our neighbor. Just a few weeks ago, Jesus reminded us, you love God as you love your neighbor. There's a connection. And do not bring us to the time of trial. Don't bring us to the big test. We don't want to fail, for we realize we're fallible, we're finite, and it's very possible that we fail and not live and act as the children of God that we were created to be. So, Lord, teach us to pray. Okay. Pray like this. Say, Father, hallowed is your name. Your kingdom come. Give us what we need. Forgive us our sins and don't bring us to the time of trial. There's an old saying, be careful what you ask for. They asked for a prayer, and he gave them a prayer. It looks on the surface fairly easy. People can recite it all around our culture. But indeed, when we unpack it, it's a hard prayer, for it challenges our basic outlook on life. Are we really willing to live as children of the Father? Are we really willing to live in humbleness before this one? Are we willing to say that we will be the kind of people who welcome God's agenda more than our own, will we live with trust and the kind of forgiveness that really reframes a radical kind of grace in this world? And will we live with that kind of grace? I don't know about you, but for me, the only easy part of this prayer is, don't bring me to the time of trial. I don't want to take that exam because I know I'm not ready We're talking here not about arbitrary rules. We're not talking about how much you know about the Bible. We're not talking about any form of religion. We're talking really more basic about the possibility that we might fail life. That we might not be living up to our true identity and purpose. And so long ago, Long before Jesus Christ came into this world, God sent a prophet by the name of Hosea to speak to the people of God because they were not living up to their identity, who God had called them to be. It's kind of an amazing, outlandish, bizarre kind of street theater that goes on. For God calls the prophet Hosea to marry a hooker, a prostitute. By the name of Gomer. Why? Because Israel has played the whore. Israel has, lived, has not lived up to its true identity. You know, of course, what a whore is. A whore, a prostitute, is someone who offers the semblance of love, 
but without love. Who says the words of affection, but with no heart behind them. We'll sing a hymn at the end where we talk about thoughts of compassion that are divorced from cries of pain. That is to play the whore. To have words divorced and separated from actions. That is to play the whore. A whore only speaks in the economy of the body, the exterior, with no intent of there being relationship, transformation, community, home. This is Israel in Hosea's day, and we remember this story not just to do our homework, because it's a story of the people today, you and me, groups, faith groups, nations, who fail to live up to our true identity of who we're called to be in this world. When we pray the Lord's Prayer without thought, we're playing the role of a whore. We vote only along the party line without concern for the common good. We're playing the whore. When a church, maybe a church like Highland, renovates its space, but somehow in the process forgets the calling to be the people of God in this world, to be about God's transforming love in all that we do and say and are, we play the role of the whore. When a preacher continues preaching, when he or she doesn't believe, they're playing the role of the whore. Mahatma Gandhi, long ago, listed what he referred to as the seven deadly sins. I would say we can frame this in terms of playing the role of the whore when he talks about wealth without work, pleasure without conscience, science without humanity, Knowledge without character. Politics without principle. Commerce without morality. And get ready for this one. Worship. What we're doing right here. Worship without sacrifice. The Lord's Prayer is a call. Not only away from whoredom but if you will, kind of an anti-whoredom, the very opposite of whoredom. Not only will we not fake love for pay, we're the people, we're the people who are called to give love freely, even if it costs us. Why would we do that? We do that because we've had a glimpse somehow in our life, that the way and the truth and the life who is Jesus really is the way. There's no other way. It's a truth that nothing supersedes. It's a life that gives us our life. We've come to see in our experiences that those who give up their lives have their lives given back. Those who tend to hoard or whore their lives are the ones who lose their very lives. When our deepest prayers align with the Lord's Prayer, Father, hallowed is your name, your kingdom come, give us the bread we need, 
forgive us our sins and don't bring us to the time of trial, then Jesus said, you can pray this hard prayer hard. Pray it hard. Pray it with gusto because your life and your prayer is aligned with God. We sang about it in the hymn at the beginning of this hour. I've sung this hymn my whole life. But it was only in the 930 service that I heard this. And it's because of the the little pause that we put in there. Has thou not seen how thy desires e'er have been granted in what God ordains? What we most deeply want in this world is what God wants. It's what God has ordained for this world. So if you're praying hard, the hard prayer, it will be granted. It will be granted. God's not your friend who won't get out of bed to give you what you need unless you knock and knock and knock and wake up the neighbors and get the dog barking and all the other things. How much more will the Father grant the Holy Spirit, the, the, the working of the kingdom, if that is our heart's desire? As we pray, as we pray, something emerges Something appears, some good gifts, some, some connections that are made between ourselves and all of creation. The choir sang it, all creatures of our God and King. Not just humanity, but all of the earth. All the animals, all the plants, all the mountains, the air and the water. It's all part of this great work of love. And our lives can become sacred and vivid and peace-filled as we live in concert with God. Because we believe. Don't we? We believe that God is real. And that God acts. That God can come into this world through our praying. Back in 1984, when all of the world was focused on the opposition to apartheid in South Africa, Desmond Tutu made his way to the United States on his way to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. He was invited by Harvard University to speak in their chapel. They had a special chapel service in order to hear this man, this religious leader who had been an instrument in helping to make this global movement that was just on the precipice of breaking forth. The special chapel service was packed with the curious and the anxious and the the many fans that he had to hear the latest on the battle, to hear what it is that they might be able to do to stand alongside the people of South Africa. The room was filled with cynical Harvard academics. It was filled with cutting-edge activists. They were all there to hear this sort of modern-day Hosea, and they were ready to do whatever he told them to do. They were ready. They introduced the Archbishop Desmond Tutu to a thunderous applause. He got up into the pulpit, and you can hear his little voice with that interesting lilt. And he said to them, the most important thing you can do for South Africa, you could hear a pin drop. People on the edge of their seat. 
The most important thing you can do for South Africa is to pray. Pray for our people. Pray your prayers, our prayers. That will change the world. And he sat down. Peter Gomes, who told this story, the chaplain of the chapel at Harvard Divinity School, said he looked out at the crowd and he could see on every face the people going, that's it? That's it? We're ready to march. We're ready to boycott. We're ready to to storm the gates of Washington and demand a difference. We're ready to go on strike. They had no idea. And maybe you don't have any idea that what Desmond Tutu spoke of is his deepest energy and his most expansive hope that God is not done and that God comes into the world by way of our praying. question for you and me today is, do we believe this? Are we here today to align our hearts with God, with a God who is not done? Or are we here simply to pay tribute to a God who used to act? The Lord's Prayer says that God is not done. Andy Dillard read somewhere in a prayer book that the Gulf Stream, that enormous stream within the ocean, will flow through a little soda straw, provided that that soda straw is aligned to the Gulf Stream and not at cross-purposes with it. And so we pray to align ourselves with this mystery that we cannot quantify, that we cannot explain, but who is always working for the healing of the nations and for the good of all. We said it at the beginning. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss. It's the hope of the world. Let's pray together. Increase our faith, O God. Increase our faith not just in religion, not just in the stories of the Bible, but in the trajectory of this faith that the old, old stories talk about for today and tomorrow. So, in the midst of all that we are doing, may we align ourselves with you. This is our prayer. In the name of your face shown on this world, Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen.